The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 377 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fenn with you here on March. Excuse me, not March. We're not in March anymore. April 2nd, 2023, Sunday. Padres, Rockies, they just finished up their four-game set. And the Padres, they split this series. I was hoping that at the end of this series here right now, I would have been sitting here saying that the Padres took three out of four or that they swept the series. But based on the way that the series started, I think we have to be pretty encouraged about where the Padres are at right now. Uh, at the beginning of the year, considering that Joe Musgrove is out, hasn't pitched yet. You Darvish has not pitched yet. He's going to pitch on Tuesday, I think. Uh, Robert Suarez, Drew Pomerantz, Adrian Marjone, right? Like, they're down a lot of guys. Obviously, Fernando, right? He's still serving his suspension. So they're not at full strength. And I know the Rockies are not the most talented team, but this is probably the best that they're going to play this year because they're all healthy. And the optimism of a new season, Rocky's sitting there, hey, we're 0-0, you know, on Thursday, right? Oh, we're 2-0 entering uh, Saturday night's game, right? Hey, let's, let, let's just keep having fun. Nothing to lose, right? 
uh, beginning of the year, just the optimism. Maybe the Rockies, this is the best they're going to play. And the Padres were able to still split with them with the Padres not being at full strength. Uh, so I'm taking some positives, more positives, I think, than negatives away from this series. Sure. Were the first two games great? No. Were they good? No. I mean, there were some encouraging signs, but that no, was pretty flat. I mean, they lost Thursday 7-2. to two. They lost Friday 4-1. to one. Um, Yeah, it was pretty bad. But then the Aztecs won on Saturday, and Bob Melvin, I guess, said after the game that that gave the Padres some momentum going into Saturday's game, which is great. Uh, I don't know how much we should believe that. Like, I don't really believe in momentum that much in baseball because, well, baseball is a hard game. It's not like, oh, you're shooting great, you're feeling really good, uh, and you're just going to keep making shots, like maybe in basketball. In baseball, a hitter, if he's hitting good and he's hot, sure, we're going to say he's hot, but there's another pitcher that's coming up the next time that could be filthy and looks totally different from the last guy. Or maybe that guy really struggles against that particular pitcher, right? You know, about basketball, if you're hot, you're hot. It's it's the same dimensions, the same hoop, uh, same hoop size, same ball size usually, right? So, um, yeah, same three-point line, right? Like, if you're comfortable, you're comfortable. Uh, with baseball, I just don't really believe a whole lot in momentum. But, hey, all that matters is the Padres. They took the final two games in this series. I'm curious your thoughts, Padres fans. Let me know your thoughts, what you're thinking right now, your main takeaways from this series. Let me know in the comments. Uh, if you're here live on YouTube, I appreciate that. If you're watching on replay, let me know in the comments. If you're listening to the podcast platforms, you can go to the YouTube uh, stream and go in the comments there or at me on social media, at Talking Friars on Instagram or Twitter to give your thoughts on this series. For me, again, I'm taking some positive takeaways from this. I've already talked about Thursday and Friday's games on previous shows. So I don't, I'm not going to go too in-depth on those games, but I'm going to still go over them. We'll start with Thursday's game, and then we'll go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll get more into Saturday and Sunday's games. Those are the, the main positive takeaways anyway that I'm going to be taking from this series. And then talking some more San Diego sports after that. So hopefully you will be enjoying the show. Um, starting on Thursday here, so Padres, they lost 7-2, to obviously, on opening day. Blake Snell was Blake Snell. I was hoping that him getting the opening day start would have maybe motivated him to be like the second half Blake Snell in the first start of the year. It's just only one start, so I don't want to overreact to Blake, but it's still some of the same things that we've seen from Blake in a Padres uniform. Sure, the strikeouts are there. Um, I was encouraged that there weren't many walks. I think he walked like one guy, so that's good. But at the same time, he had like 70 pitches through three innings, and first game of the season, four-game series, six games, six days, that's not where you want to start, right? Like That's not good for your pitching staff. And then there were question marks later in the series, right? We knew there were going to be question marks later in the series. How was Waka going to pitch? How was Martinez going to pitch? How was Lugo going to pitch? Now, all three of those guys that I just talked about, they pitched pretty well, so it ended up not really being an issue. But it, it may have... It, it may have been an issue. It kind of looked like an issue on Thursday, you know, when Snell's not getting through five innings, you know? Um, 
I mean, he kept the Padres in the game. When he exited, I think it was a 2-1 Padres lead. And then I think he Snell was charged, I think, four earned runs. But Chris Matt's the one that gave up the home run. I think, right? Yeah, he gave up a home run. And then Domingo Tapia came in the game because Blake didn't give enough innings in that start. Again, the strikeouts were there. Um, three earned runs. Sorry, I said four. Three earned runs. But Blake, he just didn't go long enough. And so you had Chris Matt going in there. And then it was a, what, 5-1 game, I think? 5-2? 5-2 game? So you're chasing three runs. The offense isn't really doing anything. So you, you go with Tapia, a guy who, let's face it, wouldn't be on this roster if Robert Suarez was healthy. Wouldn't be on this roster if Adrian Morhone was healthy. Wouldn't be on this roster if Drew Pomerantz was healthy. Um, and a lot of the batters that he faced and a lot of the success that he had in spring training was because he was facing like double-A hitters in spring training. He can't control the, the caliber of hitter that he faces, so I'm, I'm not trying to like make this all on like, like put this all on his shoulders. And I guess he did deserve to make the team based on results, and there were injuries, so someone had to step in. But you got, I mean, this is Domingo Tapia. Um, there were fans chanting in the stands to send him to El Paso or Lake Elsinore as well. Uh, he, he ended up going two innings, so I'm glad that he gave multiple innings. Uh, but, yeah, back-to-back -back home runs right when he came in the game. And that really took energy out of the crowd. It didn't seem like there was a ton of energy on opening day, um, especially after the, the rain delay happened, because there was the delayed start time, right? The game was supposed to start at 1.10, and then it got pushed back the night before to 640. So maybe some people changed plans and they ended up working instead of not working that day. Uh, the rain, maybe that was a part of it. It just didn't seem like there was a ton of energy. And then the Padres themselves didn't really give Padre fans much to be energetic about. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a clunker of a night, but it was just one of 162, right? On Friday night, Padres lose 4-1. to one. There was a lot of the same with the offense, just not being able to score runs. I, you know, Entering Thursday, I definitely would not have believed myself if I told myself, hey, the Padres, they're only going to score three runs in these first two games. With the way that the lineup had been hyped up, it just felt like, well, even, even not just the hype, but you just know, baseball fans, you know the talent that is in this Padres lineup. So... I thought that they were going to score more than three runs combined in the first two games. I know Herman Marquez was going to be tough. Kyle Freeland can be tough. But still, I, I believed in the talent of this lineup. Now it's just two games, but that was disappointing. Um, you look at the batting lines from some of the star players on this team. On Thursday, Soto went over, Crony over. Uh, go to Friday, Soto still didn't have a hit. He went over. Nelson Cruz went over in his first game. Crony went over. Um, like that, that's that's not ideal when your your middle hitters are not getting on base, not getting hits. Saturday it turned around, uh, but Friday, yeah, four one loss. Look, Nick Martinez, I want to make sure it's clear. Like Nick Martinez, I don't think he struggled very much in that outing. He shouldn't have even allowed four earned runs in that outing. Um, what was it? The first inning, 
There was the ground ball, double play ball. Looked like maybe they would have gotten out of the inning. Manny threw it behind Bogarts. I don't really think that was on Bogarts. Sure, maybe. Well, they got the out, so he did catch it. Uh, it was just on the, the transfer where he dropped it. Uh, I think that led to a run. Then there was another run that came in because I think Martinez allowed a single later in that inning. Uh, so there's a couple runs there that shouldn't have even scored. Now, Manny, like, I'm obviously not going to be complaining too much about that because it's Manny. Like, we know that that's not going to happen very much the rest of the year. You know, I could probably count on one hand how many times he's going to make a bad throw this season. That's just, it just doesn't happen. So it's one of those things where you just see it. It's like, oh, well, we're just going to throw that one away, flush it, and move on. You know, it's not a concern. Uh, but I, I liked what I saw to Nick. You know, there were question marks going into this week about, or this weekend series, this first series of the season. Questions about Nick Martinez as a starter, right? There were questions about Seth Lugo, and there still are going to be questions. I, I want to make that clear as well. Like, Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo, I think one of them is going to end up in the bullpen. It's just a matter of time. When are they going to be moved to the bullpen? When Musgrove comes back, is Bob Melvin and the Padres, are they going to stick with a six-man rotation? If so, how long? Um, so one of them is going to go to the, the pen. I think it's going to be Lugo. Uh, but getting back to Nick, thought he pitched well. Uh, I, I'm confident in Nick. Entering this season, I was. I wasn't too worried, you know, even after watching like the WBC outing and and I think he had one bad outing in spring. I'm not worried about Nick. It's more Lugo for me. And I'm not really worried about Lugo at the beginning of the season. It's just if he continues to be in the rotation, how long can he do this, you know, going the full season? If he try if the Padres try to have him go the whole year, which I don't think they will, but if he, you know, if he's still in the rotation, at the, the all-star break, let's say, okay, how are those outings going? You know, I, I'm going to be interested in seeing that. Uh, but yeah, the offense Thursday, Friday, pretty much didn't do much. They had runners on different situations, second and third, first and second, or leadoff runner got on and no runs scored. But it's baseball. You know, Herman Marquez, he's a really good pitcher. I wasn't surprised. I was disappointed. I wasn't totally shocked to see the Padres not do much against Herman Marquez. Kyle Freeland, I was a little more surprised uh, just because the Padres have been able to get to Kyle Freeland um, in the past. But it is a new team. It's a new year. It was the second game of the season. So, again, it's not something that I'm going to sit here and totally overreact to. Saturday was great. Uh, Saturday, yesterday, might have been one of the best days, or it was, in fact, I think, one of the best days in San Diego sports history. It wasn't just one team having an amazing moment. It was all the major teams in town. And I know fans outside San Diego will be like, oh, there's only one major team, the Padres. No, there's multiple major teams. If you ask people like myself, diehard San Diego sports fans, there's like three major teams. Um, I mean, there's, I'm including San Diego State as just one, uh, San Diego State basketball. But there's like three major teams, and they were all in action on Saturday night. Padres got their first win of the season. The Aztecs before that, obviously, with the Lamont Butler buzzer in the Final Four, a spot that none of us probably thought was even possible, go to the championship game after hitting that shot. Um, and then 7 o'clock on Saturday night, San Diego Wave get their second win of the season, and they're tied at 
uh, at the top of the at the standings uh, in the NWSL to start off the season. Alex Morgan scored twice uh, in front of a pretty good-sized crowd considering that they were going up against the Padres. So all three major teams won on Saturday night. And the Padres, this was the game that we were waiting for, I think, waiting for the offense to to pop out. And people in the chat, I will get to your comments. Don't worry. I uh, just wanted to get through my thoughts here from the series this, this weekend. Um, but yeah, like Saturday scored eight runs. We were waiting for that, right? Thursday, Friday combined for three runs. We were waiting for that big offensive outburst. And the Padres provided that on Saturday. Sandra Bogart's got his first home run as a San Diego Padre. I don't believe he hit any in spring training. And he did hit one in the World Baseball Classic, but that was him under contract with the Padres, not playing for the Padres. So that was his first home run with the Padres, and that ball was crushed, hit it to the second deck. Um, Michael Walker, he was cruising through five innings. So the back of this rotation, I say the back because when Musgrove comes back, it's him, Darvish, Snell, right? Back of this rotation, thought, I thought they pitched really well this weekend, um, especially for the first time around. So Waka ends up in this game, you know, he was cruising pretty much through the first five, then gives up a few in the in the sixth inning. So his final line ends up being six innings, four earned runs, only two strikeouts, walk three. But you look at the results, four, uh, four scoreless innings, first four innings, gave up a run in the fifth, and then there was three runs charged to him in the sixth. Crone had a homer. Uh, Blackman homered, right? Yeah, no, 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 wait. RBI double. No, Blackman did not homer. Um, Crone homered, that's who it was. So Crone, Blackman came through, obviously. Like, those are the two that it feels like they always kill the Padres. You know, Charlie Blackman, I'm going to be so happy when that dude retires because he just kills the Padres. It seems like every series, whenever... The Rockies either come to town or the Padres go to Colorado. Charlie, it's like 300. It's like maybe 400, 500 against the Padres in certain series. And I'm just so tired of seeing that guy in that Rocky lineup. Doesn't seem like he does a whole lot anymore against other teams, but the Padres, he is super excited. He cannot wait to face the Padres. Uh, when you have that great, those great numbers, I mean, I don't blame him. And then CJ Crone. I feel like he's an underrated player in baseball. He's not going to get talked about like Freddie Freeman or Paul Goldschmidt or Pete Alonso. He's not on a contender. Most probably think he's you know past his prime. He, he's just not like a, a flashy player, right? Uh, he doesn't. How many does he have an All Star appearance? I think he does. I think it might have been last year. He's had some good seasons for the Rockies recently, but yeah, he. Seemed like he killed the Padres, or kills the Padres. Had a homer on Saturday, almost hit a home run. Um, he already has three home runs, three home runs in that series. Yeah, has a for this this series, he had an OPS of 2,329, an OPS plus of 533, and league average is 100. I know it's a limited sample size, but holy crap, what a series that was! Uh, yeah, so he was an all-star in 2022. Hit almost 30 home runs last year, drove in over 100 runs. 
almost 30 home runs in 2021, almost drove in 100 runs that year. So he's had a couple good years here with Colorado, and he's off to a pretty darn good start again here. And what a surprise it's against the Padres. But getting back to the offense, I mean, it was great to see the Padres offense bust out. Two runs in the first, two runs in the third, a run in the fifth, a run in the sixth, two runs in the eighth. Soto drove in um, one run, got his first hit of the year finally, because he really, I mean, I say finally like it was like two weeks that we were waiting for Soto to get a hit. I don't mean to make it like that, but we just had high expectations, right? All the experts are predicting Juan Soto to win the National League MVP. I think I predicted him to win the NL MVP as well. And it's two games, it's three, four games, so I'm not going to overreact and be like, oh, Soto's not going to win the MVP. Um, but, yeah, it was just disappointing the first couple games. Finally came through on Saturday, though, which was good to see. Bogarts homering, homered today. Um, Manny, Manny got a hit, right? Yeah, two hits. Two hits, went two for four. Crony got on the board. He got a hit, first hit of the season for him after not getting hit the first two games. Scored two runs. Carpenter drove in two runs, got two hits. Campy got a hit, drove in a run. Rugnetto Dor scored a run. So a lot of production throughout the lineup. And what I liked seeing this weekend was that Bob Melvin has been able to to been able to do a lot of different things with this Padres lineup um, because of the flexibility that he has with certain players like Matt Carpenter who can play multiple positions. Having Rugnet Odor on this team who can play the outfield, can play infield, obviously, a left-handed bat if they don't want Hassan Kim playing a day like Saturday's lineup showed, or against lefties like Austin Gomber today. You could have Bogarts lead off. You can have Soto hit third, Manny hit second. Soto, by the way, he has better numbers hitting third in his career, which I was surprised to see, than him, than him hitting second. It's not far off, but still better numbers hitting third than hitting second. I don't think he cares where he hits, second or third. He just doesn't want to hit leadoff, which I understand um, if you're Juan Soto, because he's trying to help the team. So him leading off, that just changes what he he, it seems like I was reading Kevin Acey's newsletter this morning, and it seems like he goes in leadoff hitter mode when he's leading off uh, instead of, you know, trying to hit a ball in the gap, you know, hit line drives. Uh, he, he tries to see pitches instead of attack. And if I'm the Padres, I want Juan Soto having the attack mentality, right? That's where I think he's going to be at his best. We know he's going to walk. He'll be patient when he needs to, but he gets a pitch to hit, I want that guy swinging. I want that guy driving a ball into the gap, right? Um, but there was a lot of different, there were some different lineup combinations that we saw this weekend, and I like seeing that. Um, it's kind of it's kind of fun having to, to guess, okay, is Bogart's going to lead off today? Is Grish going to lead off today? Who is that guy going to lead off? Where is Soto hitting? Where is Manny going to hit? Is it going to be two? Or is it going to be three? Where's Crony going to hit? Is he going to hit fourth, or are they going to go Cruiser Carpenter fourth with Crony five? How's the bottom of the order going to shake out? Is Odor in there going to be? Is he going to be in there one day if a righty's on the mound? Is Hassan Kim not going to play because a tough righty's on the mound? David Dahl, Jose Zokar, who do the Padres want to go with? Like, there's a lot of different options um, 
hopefully we can keep playing this guessing game in a good way where everyone's playing well and it's not Bob Melvin like forcing, I don't know, Jose Zokar into the lineup when a righty's on the mound because David Dahl's struggling at the plate or Rugnet Odor's really struggling and Hassan Kim, they're just going to keep putting him out there uh, when probably the initial plan would have been to maybe sit Hassan Kim because a tough righty's on the mound, you know? So hopefully we can see the depth continue to play out, you know, in this Diamondback series, in the Brave series, right? This this first road trip of the season uh, until Tatis comes back. And not just until T- Tatis comes back, but obviously longer than that. Uh, but I- I'm just trying to focus on the short term right now, right? Just focus on what's happening right here, right now. Um, so today, Padres won 3-1. to one. Saturday, obviously, 8-4. So... The first three game, first two games, excuse me, Padres scored three runs. The last two games, Saturday and today, they scored 11 runs. Colorado outscored San Diego the first two, 11 to three. And then San Diego outscored Colorado, 11 to five. So they turned it around the last two games. And today, a 3 1 win. Grish had a home run. Bogey had a home run. Uh, man, Bogarts, he is. I love watching him play already. I mean, I like the Bogart signing when it happened. And sure, there's long-term questions down the road, but I don't really care about that right now. Like, I'm focused on the Padres winning games now, and Bogarts can help that. But I kind of agreed with this. Like, on social media, there were some people saying, yeah, the, the experts picking Juan Soto MVP, and Bogarts is like, hold my beer. Do I think Bogarts is going to go win the MVP this year? I don't. But I think it can be good for him that, I don't feel like the baseball world is talking much about Xander Bogarts. A lot of it's about Manny. It's about Soto. When Tatis comes back, like all of the attention is going to be on Tatis. So guys like Bogarts, even though he's part of the big four, Bogarts, Cronenworth, if there's a big five, then Crony would be the fifth member there. They can still be flying. They're going to be flying under the radar, I would think. And I think that can only help them. Like you got to pitch to someone. You don't want to pitch to Tatis when he comes back. You don't want to pitch to Soto. Don't want to pitch to Manny, but you're going to have to pitch to Bogarts and Crony, and you're probably going to have to pitch to one or two of those three that I just named before Crony and Bogarts, right? So uh, this this lineup should have a lot of depth to it, a lot of star power, obviously. And so I can't wait to see everyone uh, together when Tatis returns. He's scheduled to return on April 20th. But with Bogarts putting good swings on the ball, I mean, opening day had a three-hit game there, so... Props to him for that when the offense as a whole didn't really show up much. Uh, Saturday with the home run, today with the home run. Uh, And then Grish, more encouraging signs from him there. Uh, Playing good defense. We know that's going to happen. He's a good defender. Uh, He was leading off a little bit this series, hitting at the bottom of the order a little bit in this series. I would prefer him to either lead off or hit ninth instead of him hitting eighth. Um, I think at least one of the games he was hitting eighth. Bomel put him eighth. Might as well just put him ninth then. Unless like they're doing matchups, like you know, uh maybe they have like three or four straight righties, so they put Grisham hitting eighth instead of ninth to kind of split that up a little bit. Um but yeah, I mean Grish in spring training, he was really aggressive, right? Swinging early in counts when when it's warranted when he's seen good pitches, the revamped 
I don't know what you call it, the revamp load or the posture uh, in the box. I'm seeing some good things there. It seems like line drive swings and that ball, he hit it to not dead center, but pretty deep center, the kind of the right center gap, but it was more towards center field, that home run today. So seeing a lot of encouraging signs from Grish. Um, offensively from some other guys, obviously Bogart stood out in this series. I mean, Manny and Soto, not really. They they didn't stand out much in this series. I don't I didn't think Cronenworth stood out much in this series. But again, it's four games. I'm I'm not gonna sit here and worry about it. A positive takeaway here, you know, now that they think about it, um, kind of rejogging my memory with Manny. Today, I think he hit a grounder in either his first at bat or second at bat. I forget which one it was, but he may have like tripped himself a little bit down the line. And it looked like he may have had some sort of leg injury or hamstring injury because I was watching him walk from first base back to the dugout once he got retired and felt like maybe he was limping or favoring that right leg a little bit, but he ended up jogging out to third base um, to go play third. So it seemed like everything was fine. And we know Manny's tough as hell. So uh, I'm not I'm not worried about Manny now. I was just looking at it then like, oh, no, please don't do this. We, we don't need this. I know that I know we have a talented team, but Manny is the captain of this team. Like we don't need this in game four of the season. So that was good to see Manny fine. Uh, I don't know if there's post game quotes or anything from Manny about that. Or I don't know if anyone even else. I don't know if anyone else uh, noticed that, but I did see that today. Um, I did want to hit on the starting pitching. So, obviously, I hit on Michael Walker yesterday um, or about his performance yesterday. Lugo today, there was questions going into the series, right? As I said before at the beginning. And there still are going to be questions. Like, there was someone in the YouTube comments today, I think, on my pregame thoughts that I gave from Petco before the game today saying like, I hope Lugo goes out there and shoves essentially so people can shut up about Lugo. And I was like, no, I mean, people are still not going to change their mind based off of one Lugo outing. I think some will be encouraged. Like that that's kind of what I'm my viewpoint on this. Like I'm encouraged by what I saw from Seth Lugo, but it's not like this outing totally changed my mind about Martinez probably working out more than Lugo long-term in the rotation this year. Like, Lugo pitched really well, but it's the first game against the Colorado Rockies. Let's see how he does in July if he's still in the rotation. You know, kind of like I said earlier. So, for me with Lugo, it's kind of like a wait and see. And if you if you say, well, Ben, it's a wait and see with Martinez as well. Yeah, it is. I know it is. But I guess I'm just more comfortable betting on Nick in the rotation than I am with Lugo for now. Maybe that's just bias because I saw Nick more last year than Lugo, and Nick did start games last year, and I thought pitched okay in the rotation, and Lugo hasn't pitched in the rotation consistently since 2017. So that's that's probably mostly why I think this. Uh, but, I mean, nonetheless, Lugo pitched really well today. This game, how long was this game? Two hours and three minutes in front of 43,972 uh, Peco Park set, Padres fans, 
set a Petco Park attendance record for the best crowd, the best crowd, I think the most fans at a four-game series, I think, ever in, in Petco history. Or maybe it was four-game series to open up the season or something. I forget, but record-setting crowd this weekend. So props to Padres fans for showing up, obviously, even on opening day with the rain, um, showing up even with the, the Aztecs playing Saturday and then showing up today. I think it was a Little League day today, too, so there was a ton of kids lined up outside the ballpark before the game, like two and a half hours before the game. It was lined with Little Leaguers, so a lot of support for these Padres. Uh, but, yeah, Lugo getting back to him. Seven innings, just gave up one run, no walk, so obviously that sped up the game, right? Um or kept the game rolling. Did give up a home run. Yeah. Did give up a home run. That one was to Ryan McMahon. And Ryan McMahon, before he hit that home run, he called time. I don't know if that messed with Lugo at all, but the next pitch, he hit a home run. Pulled it to right. So maybe maybe Lugo went with the same pitch, or maybe he changed pitches there. But yeah, McMahon got him. But other than that, I mean, he pitched well. Like I said on my pregame thoughts, uh, which I post on YouTube before almost every game, um, the strikeouts were going to be there. Seven strikeouts in this game for him. The swing and miss is there. We know that the breaking ball is nasty. Uh, for me, it's just a matter of, are you going to get length out of him? How, con how consistent can he be at having performances like this? I'm not saying I'm expecting him or I'm demanding him to go seven innings and give up one run every time out. I'm just saying, is he going to have quality starts every time out or almost every time out? Or is it going to be a big roller coaster? And I think that's, that, that's just, time will tell, right? We're going to have to wait on that. But, I mean, the velocity's there, the breaking ball's there. I was very encouraged by what I saw from Lugo. And then he, he provided seven innings. So that allowed the Padres to go to Garcia, who didn't give up any hits, no runs, struck out two in the eighth. And then Hayter got the save. Man, he looks good. That slider, I think it was to strike out McMahon. That thing is nasty. Uh, I, I went back and watched the replay of that. Um, man, that was a nasty pitch. So Hayter's looking good. Garcia, good. Lugo, really good today. And I think this... This should only help the Padres pitching staff, right? They got a pretty good outing, some length out of Waka. They got some length out of Martinez, right? I think he went seven innings. Um, Lugo went seven innings today. That sets up well for the first, or not the first, the next couple games of the season, the next couple games here against the Diamondbacks Monday and Tuesday. Ryan Weathers, that's a question mark, right? Imagine if Lugo only went like four or five innings today. And someone else had to be used. Well, or, you know, like Honeywell maybe had to be used, who we haven't seen yet. Maybe that would have been trouble for the Padres tomorrow if Weathers goes short. But those guys gave the Padres length, so Honeywell be should be good. Chris Matt should be good tomorrow. The long men should be good to go tomorrow. So that should help. Um, Darvish. Should we expect him to go seven innings? Probably not in that first start. I don't think that's fair to him just based on his ramp-up schedule, right? Um, this is his first start of the year. 
So hopefully, I mean, you hope not everyone has to be used in the next couple games, but the starting pitching certainly helped out in allowing the Padres to have that ability to use a lot of the long men, a lot of the bullpen in the next two days. Then they have the off day on Wednesday as well. So, you know, you combine the off day with great starting pitching, or at least lengthwise, in this series for the most part, not including Snow. That's a good combo. That sets up the Padres well for the, the, for the next uh, series, next couple games. They have the off day Wednesday, and then they have that series. I think it's four games in Atlanta. I think two of those games are on national television. One might be Sunday Night Baseball, and I think the other is the Apple TV Plus. I think that's the Friday night game. Either Friday or, yeah, I think it's Friday. So, yeah, those are pretty much my thoughts on this weekend series. I'm interested in seeing what Padre fans' thoughts are on this series. What did you like the most about this series? What worries you the most about this series? Let me know in the comments. I'll get to your comments, but first... Check out Gaglione Bro's famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Uh, Bomani says, we're going to the World Series this year. I certainly love the optimism. It's early. Uh, Venom Vince says, great game today. Lugo pitched great. The offense wasn't there today, but Xander and Trent's came in clutch yeah i'm i love what i'm seeing out of xander made a great relay throw early in this series on opening day had that three hit game homers yesterday homers today he was the offensive player of the series for the padres that's for sure and then yeah more encouraging signs from grish and the rest of the offense i i don't i i'm not too worried about like it's early in the season we know that there's a lot of talent there. They're going to come through at some point. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Joe Dreams, what's up, man? He is in the comments here. He asks, would you rather lose the first two games of a series and win the last two or win the first two and lose the last two? Uh, again, I'm not a big believer in momentum because it's baseball, but... Well, actually, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really care. I know you're asking me, so I, I got to give an answer. I guess I'd say the last two, uh, just because it 
gives the it makes the fans feel pretty good, right? Heading into the next series, hey, they won two in a row. They're on a winning streak. That's great, you know. So I, I'd probably say that, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day. I'm fine with them winning one game, losing another, winning one game, losing the other. Like as long as they split the series at least this this weekend, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I I'm fine with it. Um, start off the year 500. Sure, would have we love to have been talking about a three out of four series win? Of course. But at least they didn't lose the series, right? And there's going to be, I think, plenty of series where they will sweep the series or they will take three out of four to hopefully make up for one or two of these games this series against the Rockies. So to answer that, Joe, I'd probably say the last two. I'd, I'd probably rather win the last two. Uh, but I'm not a huge believer in momentum. You know, like how much how how much do these two wins mean for the Diamondback series if weather stinks the bed tomorrow? You know, uh, nothing, right? Probably going to lose that game. So maybe momentum is just as good as the next day's pitcher or however, whatever saying that is. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. The momentum is as good as however the next day starter does, which means that's not really anything momentum doesn't really do much yeah a couple comments about seth lugo here he pitched well i wasn't watching the game on tv so those that were he probably thought he pitched even better than i think he did uh but what i noticed i mean sitting in the stands today like the game went by pretty darn quick he he was efficient um i don't see the breakdown of like pitches by inning but, I mean, the game was less than two hours. So, you could say, well, the Padres' offense didn't do a whole lot because the game was only two hours, essentially. Uh, and, yeah, you're right on that, I guess. But I'm more focused on the positives of, of Lugo and Bogarts and Grisham and Waka pitched pretty well and Martinez. And the bullpen, for the most part, has looked good. So, I'm taking those positives away here. Um, you know, today, I'm just going through the middle of the lineup here. Or starting with Manny. Manny, Soto, Cruz, Crony. You can include Kim in there if you want. They went 0 for 2, 3, 5, 8, 11, 0 for 15 today. The 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 hitters in the lineup. So, yeah, that's not ideal. That sped up the game, too, obviously. Um but again, I'm choosing to take the positives more than the negatives. I believe in the offense. I'm not worried about the offense. The the back end of the rotation, I think, was more of the question going into the, se into the season. And it's just one time around. But I think we saw a lot of encouraging things from this offense. All right. Another piece of news that happened over the weekend. Surprising news was the Jake Cronenworth extension, obviously. I've already given my thoughts on that in a previous show so you can go check those out that was like my immediate reaction when the news came down on friday night i wasn't going to be doing a show on friday night uh usually i do series recaps uh series reactions um and do just little game reactions just little videos after games um but i had to go on on friday after the crony extension i mean that was super surprising you know like 
I'll just give some of my thoughts again here for a few minutes. Like, why, 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 why should Padre fans? Why should have they been expecting a crony extension? You know, super surprising. He had three years of control left, including 2023. Seemed like all the extension uh, focus was on Juan Soto. Uh, it was on Manny, obviously because he had the opt-out and all that, free agent at the end of the year. Darvish had the extension. Darvish was first, and then Manny. And then there was the focus on Soto. Maybe something could get done. I don't think it was ever going to get done. Um, I don't think it will get done um, this year. I just don't see it, at least until Altani gets a contract, his new contract, because Soto's going to want to use that in negotiations uh but crony the the surprise extension it, it seems like according to the press conference yesterday at petco before the saturday game like the padres they they got this extension done before opening day like what did preller say like minutes before opening day and maybe that was was that a deadline for Cronoworth? Preller mentioned something about, yeah, we, we got it. We got it just in before the deadline. And then the news came out on Friday. So, yeah, they were working on this, and no one knew about it. Maybe Dennis Lynn knew about it, but he was just told by the Padres to not say anything or told by Cronoworth or Cronoworth's people. Maybe that Dennis knows. Wherever, wherever he got his sources, maybe they told him to not say anything until Friday night or something. Maybe he was waiting for the physical to be done. I don't know. But it was one of those weird things where it wasn't like a reported, um, it wasn't like a report in the Union Tribune or in The Athletic or from A.J. Casavell or anyone or Kent Rosenthal saying that, yeah, the two sides are talking. You know you know how there was like the Manny uh, lowball offer that Kevin Acey reported? And there was a lot of focus on that because there was reports about it. This, there was really nothing coming out about it. So, yeah, it definitely caught me by surprise, and I'm sure it caught a lot of Padres fans by surprise. People were probably going to bed on Friday night. Dang, this team's 0-2. This stinks. It's disappointing. Crony hadn't gotten a hit yet in the year. Uh, I wasn't worried about him, but kind of disappointed. And then the extension comes across. I'm like, holy crap. Let's go. Crony's going to be a Padre through 2030. This is great. You know, he's my favorite player. Him and Musgrove, those are my, those are my guys, my favorite players. Obviously, Manny, love him, but um, yeah, love the crony signing. And it ended up being, we didn't know at the time on Friday, we didn't know the, the money. We didn't know it was $80 million for seven years. On Friday, I was saying to those that were live watching the show, like maybe 105 mil. A little more than Jeff McNeil got per year. I know McNeil's deal was shorter, so probably a higher AAV, but the market continues to only get better for players. So I thought, yeah, that's fair. Back-to-back all-star. He's in his prime. Seidler has money to spend, obviously. Like, yeah, okay. I think that's fair. 15 mil a year. He ends up getting less than 12 million a year. Seven years, 80 mil. Or, yeah, yeah, seven years, 80. Uh, I think there's a signing bonus, so... I mean, that, that's a that's a team-friendly deal, I think. For a guy that plays every day, you know what you're going to get out of him. 
And I think he, he's, he's poised to have his best year yet this year with the guys that are hitting in front of him in the lineup. He can play first, can play second, can play short, works his butt off. He's super smart, loves the game, prepares as good as anyone. Just go listen to AJ talk about him yesterday at the press conference. Like, um, I mean, Crony, he wasn't the throw-in. We, we thought he was the throw-in, you know, with the Tommy Pham deal. We didn't know who he was, but the Padres, they're going to say, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't throwing. They were thinking about pitching him maybe a little bit, Preller said yesterday. Hosmer ends up having, like, the gastro issues, and Crony plays first and never looked back in 2020, and he ends up playing second base there, continues to play some first, didn't even have his own first base glove. Um, just got his own, I think, this year. So he's willing to do anything. And I think Dennis Lynn brought up a good point. Maybe it was Lynn. I forget which, right? I think it was Dennis Lynn in The Athletic saying about how Crony, after having an all-star season last year at second base, and that's his most familiar position, at least at the big league level, he might want to be a shortstop, but his most familiar position is at second base. Gladding gladly and willingly moving off of second base to go play first to help the team out when that might have hurt his value a little bit in free agency because a first baseman that doesn't have a ton of power doesn't it like 30 home runs a year how much you're going to get in free agency you know um that might hurt that might hurt its value but he was willing to do it and the Padres wanted to reward him Seidler Preller wanted to reward him and yeah I mean He's one of the leaders on this team. I think people nationally don't think of Cronenworth as a leader on this team and don't think of Cronenworth um, as like super, super important to this team. You know, they look at the stars. But Crony is as important as almost anyone on this team. I know Manny's the captain, but I think Crony is one of them. Musgrove is one of them. And he plays every day. And he's a good everyday player. He doesn't just fill in every day. He's a good everyday player valuable everyday player um and sometimes it's hard to put a price on someone that posts every day like he has the last couple seasons the last couple seasons i was looking this up yesterday he's played more games than manny the last couple years more games than bogarts more games than soto obviously more than tatis like that's impressive especially the manny one because we know manny plays every day so i'm super super happy for crony to get that deal I'm happy for me, for Padres fans, getting to see Crony be in a Padres uniform uh, for the rest of his prime. Like Preller said yesterday, hopefully for the rest of his career. I don't know if he's going to play till he's 40, but this one, this contract takes him through age 36. Um, and I think it's going to work out. He should be able to age well. He's not a power hitter, and he's not going to be a power hitter. Having a live drive swing, being able to be durable, play multiple positions, he should be able to age pretty well like that. Uh, Devin asked, does the crony signing take bringing Ha-Sung Kim out of the equation? Bringing back Ha-Sung Kim, do you mean? Uh, I wouldn't say out of the equation because it's the Padres. You can never rule anything out. But I think the Padres would be okay with letting Kim go, kind of like Profar. They're they're okay with letting they were okay with letting Profar go if the money wasn't right. They're they're okay with 
letting Kim probably go after 2024 when his contract's up if he doesn't take the mutual option where the Padres don't want to uh, do the mutual option with Ha-Sung Kim. I think they'd be okay because Merrill should be ready by then if he's not traded for pitching or whatever. Um, they could go with Merrill, have a young young player, cheap rookie contract, which I think is going to help the team. Uh, I know Seidler is okay with spending money and investing on players that he thinks are super important to this team, but if you want to stay under the luxury tax for a couple years to reset, which is important if you want to have draft picks, right? You don't want more money taken away from you. Um, having cheaper contracts, guys that can play every day, be important to the team, but not be paid a whole lot in comparison to you know the superstar players, that's going to help you stay under the luxury tax. You know, So I, I think the Padres, they'd be okay with letting Kim go because they have Merrill coming up. He looked impressive in spring training. I know that's a limited amount of time to see him, but it looks like he's, I mean, he's only 19, and he looks really good. Um, I was pleasantly, I don't want to say, yeah, I mean, I was surprised, I guess. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of Merrill because I, I'm so focused on the major league team. You know, this isn't 2017 where we're on Hunter Renfro watch, Manny Margot watch, you know, Luis Arias watch, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm focused on the big league team, but I liked what I saw out of Merrill. And now long-term, Bogarts is here long-term, Crony's here long-term, Manny's here long-term. Tatis can go move back to short if they ever need that, if Merrill doesn't work out or they trade him. Um, I know that you'd have to fill the outfield, but you can do that in other ways. So yeah, I think they'd be okay with letting him go. I wouldn't say he's out of the equation, but I think they'd be okay letting him go. Joseph says, trade Soto, Snell, Honeywell, and Weathers for Otani. Well, uh, there's one that's not happening, and there's there's a few reasons why. Um, Padres, they're, they're not going to trade Soto. He's one of the best players in the league. He's one of their key core players. They wouldn't do that for one year of Otani, and it's not a guarantee that he comes back. And I think the Padres, they love with... They love the pitching that they have. They, I think they love where they're at right now, roster-wise. So Otani's not going to get traded to the Padres right now. Um, they'd be okay with trading Snell probably for him. But the Angels would not trade for short-term talent. They would not trade for one year, less, you know, less than one year technically now because Snell's already pitched. But one year of Blake uh, and Honeywell, who's had an injury history, and Weathers who is just making a spot start, they're not going to trade for those guys. So that's an immediate no. And then you know the Angels, they don't want to trade Otani. Even if a really good pack, package uh, is offered to Artie Moreno and Perry Menachian, the Angels uh, GM and the Angels owner, they still don't want to trade Otani because they want to see if the Angels can surprise everyone and go make the playoffs for the first time with Trout and Otani together which is still kind of mind-boggling, but it's also not when you realize who's running the show there and uh, the pitching that they've had, you know, that's been a big struggle of theirs and the Rendon contract, right? And Pujols and all that. So it's not that surprising, but when you have the two best players in the world and haven't made the playoffs, that's, that's embarrassing. But uh, the Angels, 
they're not going to trade Otani until at least the trade deadline, I, w- I wouldn't think, because they want to squeeze everything they can out of him to see if they can be in the hunt. If they're in the hunt, then I, d- I don't see Otani getting dealt. Definitely not for that package. Uh, Venom Vince asks, do you think we have enough prospects to do a big trade like last season or just little trades? Uh, I wouldn't say we... I, I, I'll i say this. Maybe, maybe they have the prospects, but I, I don't envision the Padres pulling off a big like Juan Soto deal. One, because I think they have the talent where they don't need a huge player like that, position player that would warrant that many star prospects, or I shouldn't say star prospects, but like top prospects um, going and being traded to the team that they acquire a player from because they, you know, they, they have a great team in place. I think they have a lot of players, a lot of stars in place, a lot of key pieces that can help you win a world series in place already. So I don't see a big trade happening unless it's like Corbin Burns. I still don't see that happening, but I guess that would constitute as a, a big trade that would fit in that big trade category. Um, I would lean towards, if you're asking me big trade or little trade, I would lean towards little trade. Depth moves, back-end rotation, more rotation help, or bullpen arm, something like that Um, when the trade deadline comes around. But again, we played four games. I don't even really want to think about trades. Like I like where the team is at. I want to see these guys play for months before really thinking about, oh, let's trade this guy, or we need to upgrade this position. Devin asks, are you worried about Soto's performance so far? No. Um, Soto's going to come around. Same thing with Manny. They're going to come around. They're really talented players. It's been four games. Herman Marquez is a tough pitcher. Kyle Frillian can be a tough pitcher. And, again, it's four games. Soto, we got to remember, he didn't have those Cactus League at-bats because he had the oblique stuff and he had the calf stuff for the WBC. Um, it, it's four games. I'm not worried about it. It's disappointing, but I'm not worried about it. All right, let's get to some other San Diego sports, huh? But first... I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick-up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, 
Or, if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. Did anyone use Underdog Fantasy this weekend, huh? Beginning of the MLB season? I used it. Uh, Today, I think I said I'm at the pregame thoughts. I think I recommended Profar uh, to get at least a hit. That didn't work out much, but... um, the Bogarts, I mean, if you would have went with Bogarts this weekend on some of those pickums, you would have cashed in pretty good. And, you know, kind of combine that with like a Matt Bradley pickum, you know, higher than I think I think the the number was set at like twelve or thirteen points, thirteen and a half points for Matt Bradley yesterday in San Diego State's final four win over FAU. I definitely went over that. Uh, I, I I picked higher on that one, and that one definitely was correct. So that was great. Uh, but was what was more great, obviously, was just San Diego State's win, right? Uh, I gave my full reaction about 20 minutes um, in another video here on YouTube earlier this morning, so I encourage you to go check that out for more of an in-depth reaction to this win. But what a time in San Diego, huh? Like, the Padres, a World Series contender, the Aztecs playing for a national championship game tomorrow night. I mean, I'm going to say it again. The Aztecs playing for a national championship tomorrow night. It just doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel real. It, feel, it feels weird, excuse me. Say that like five times in a row. Um, impressive. I mean, that that's that's what I have to say about it. Like, you don't you don't imagine going into an Aztec season. I know the Aztecs, they're a basketball school. You know, your expectation is them to make the tournament. Expectation is to win a tournament game. But that was like what we were going to deem a successful season because Brian Dutcher hadn't done that yet. Not only does he win a tournament game, he has won one, two, three, four, five tournament games all in the same tournament. And now he's in the national championship, national championship game. And I know they're an underdog against UConn, but they were underdog against Alabama and won. Were they, an, they might've been an underdog against Creighton and won that game. So I don't care if they're an underdog. I think San Diego state is going to win this game. I already made the mistake of thinking that Alabama was going to beat state earlier in the tournament. I thought it was going to be close, but I, I still thought that, Alabama was going to get it done. Um, but San Diego State proved me wrong and proved a lot of people wrong in that game. Uh, but it's been so fun rooting for San Diego State in this tournament and just watching this run and seeing all the support. I think the show was there in Houston yesterday for that Final Four game. And there have been some wild moments, huh? Obviously, the Trammell foul controversy if you want to call it that it wasn't one i thought it was a foul but the ending there that was memorable 
And then the ending yesterday with Lamont hitting that game-winning jumper. What a, You can't draw it up any better, right? I mean, of course, you would want a blowout so you don't have to worry about it, right? But, like, to have a literal buzzer beater to go to the national championship game in your first final four game ever in school history, buzzer beater, wins the game, and you're headed to the natty. What an ending. And credit to a rope for the block. Mensa uh, getting the ball down to Lamont. Lamont almost stepped out of bounds. He didn't. Seeing the clock, credit to him. Switching from the right hand to the left. Couple dribbles, pull up, jumper, hits it. Uh, Matt Bradley in this game, double digits. I know he was a little cold there for a good part of the game after starting off hot, but uh, he had some pretty good, pretty big points there, there down the stretch. Um, they kept playing defense. I know the free throws, right? If you want to pick apart this, like the free throws, they need to improve if they want to beat UConn tomorrow night. And I expect them to. I don't see them shooting that bad from the free throw line like they did yesterday. FAU shot better. If State would have shot better from the free throw line, it wouldn't have been that close of a game. There was the the bump call, you know, the, the elbow bump um, from Parrish to one of the FAU players, and one of the FAU players total, totally flopped. I mean, uh, he didn't fall, if I remember correctly, but he acted like he just got punched by, like, Creed in in the movie, you know? Like, that's totally not what happened. Uh, but he got two free throws from that. Then they got the ball back. Then there were three more free throws. So that's, and FAU made those three free throws. So it ended up being five points there. And I was sitting there watching this game like, okay, well, that's going to end up being the difference, isn't it? I mean, this feels like that UConn game with the Kemba flop. Uh, a little flop job there by FAU. And it's like, man deja vu all over again but the Aztecs they came back they were down by 14 at one point in this game they come back and they get the win what would tomorrow's win mean is that the biggest win in San Diego sports history I think it would be I know the Padres they've had some big games to get to the World Series uh the Chargers right they made it to the Super Bowl but the Aztecs if they win tomorrow one, you're beating UConn, who's the favorite after beating Alabama and Creighton, right? Three of the bigger, your three biggest opponents, right? But you'd won the national championship in college basketball. This isn't like lacrosse we're talking about or volleyball. And no disrespect to those sports. They're just not as big as college basketball or college football or Major League Baseball, right? Um, but no, this is the national championship. This is the whole thing. This isn't getting to the championship, which is already great, right? This has totally surpassed our expectations. This feels like a dream. But if they were win, if they were to win tomorrow, it's the biggest win in San Diego sports history because it's the only championship San Diego State, no, excuse me, it's the only major championship that San Diego has won. And I know it's not professional, but this is our NBA team, you know? So it would be a massive, massive win. Millions of people watching. And obviously, all of San Diego is going to be rooting for them. It was great seeing... I was not at Petco. I was at Snapdragon because I work with the Wave. But it was great 
seeing the reaction at Petco, Tony Gwynn Jr. and Bud Black was watching, and Bomel had a Kawhi jersey on. A lot of other Padres players did as well. Um, and the fans watching it on the Jumbotron, because it was on the big one, and then switched to the right field Jumbotron. And they went nuts as the Rockies lineup was being introduced when Lamont hit it. Uh, there were videos like in the, the Western Metal Bar, Western Metal Supply Company building like bar that they have there, I think on like the second level at Petco. And security guards like totally aren't doing their jobs. They, they don't care. They're jumping up and down, just totally being a fan in that moment. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to ever forget where I was and what my reaction was to Lamont making that shot. Just a huge game, a huge moment for San Diego, huge moment for the university, obviously. And I'm sure they're going to get a ton of more applicants and um, a, a ton of more what booster money, uh, just a, a lot of more, a lot more support, especially to the basketball program. And that should only help. Right. And I guess Brian Dutcher is saying that this team could be even stronger next year. If the people he thinks are going to be returning, uh, indeed do return, but obviously the focus is on tomorrow night, San Diego state and UConn. I don't care again. I, I don't care that San Diego state is an underdog. They've been an underdog, I think, multiple times in this tournament. I know at least once against Alabama. Sizable underdog. And they still won the game. So I don't care. Uh, they showed yesterday that they can show up when they need to in the big moment. Now, if they get down double digits against UConn, I don't know if they're going to come back from that because I think UConn's a better team than FAU is. But it was still a, a tremendous accomplishment yesterday, right? It's, it's a game that San Diego State fans aren't going to forget. Right. All right. Getting to the chat here. Some Aztecs comments. Uh, Vince asks, do you think state could beat UConn? And if you do, how? How much do you think state could score over 60 or 70? Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I don't know what the, the final is going to be. The final yesterday was 72-71. I feel like for state to win, it's probably going to have to be around that total. Um, they're not going to go score, you know, like 90 points. So, yeah, defense is obviously going to be important. Physicality, just like most of their games have been, um, where they've had to dominate that way. They're going to have to make more of their free throws. It would help to have another really good game or a 20-plus point game from Matt Bradley or a 20-plus point game from someone on that team. And then just having, you know, contributions from, pretty much everyone on the team, you know, displaying that depth. Um, that's how I think they can win. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know a ton about UConn because I don't. But, I mean, th that's that's the formula for San Diego State is defense, physicality, making free throws, you know, taking the points that the other teams give you. Have someone get hot early uh, to, you know, keep you in the game if some other guys, you know, are off to a cold start. Like, that's what they need. Uh, Vince asks, if State is down, do you think they come back again, or is UConn going to stop the comeback? If San Diego State is down double digits, I don't know if they'd be able to win that. If they're if they're down like 11 or 14 points again, and they, I mean, that would be incredible if they're able to have back-to-back -back comebacks in the Final Four in the championship game to win it all. That would be incredible. 
I would rather them, you know, just have the lead the whole time. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I lean towards saying that they wouldn't come back from a double-digit deficit. But if they're, if they're down, yeah, they can come back. Because they have a good defense. Um, and they can be physical when they need to. And, and most of the time, they're not even physical just when they need to. They're physical all the time. Uh, back to some Padres here for a second. Irie says, Lugo looked a lot more comfortable than Martinez did. Can't judge off one start, though. What else does this say? Though, but Lugo is looking good. Yeah, I agree. I think Lugo, he's looking, I, I don't think he, I don't know about a lot more comfortable than Nick Martinez. I mean, Nick's a confident pitcher. He's as confident as they come. I don't, I don't think he was uncomfortable. Um, but you could say Lugo looked better than Martinez. He went a little bit longer, ended up with better results. But I think I think both looked pretty good this weekend. I, I think both pitched well. And yeah, it, it's early. I don't want to judge it off of just one start for both of them. I agree. Yeah, no, that's weird. I, I see your comment about YouTube not notifying you when I went live. Yeah, so anyone that's here or listening on the podcast or watching on replay or live, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel Talking Friars and turn on the notification bell or hit that bell and then the note the all button I think on notifications so you will know when every video is posted, when every line when every time I go live so you can be in here and not miss it. Uh so yeah, don't know why that happened. But yeah, just make sure you have the notifications on it. It should work. All right, before we get out of here, I did want to touch on the San Diego Wave. Obviously, big weekend for the Padres because the season started right. Most anticipated season in Padres history. Uh, big weekend for the Aztecs. Obviously, the biggest weekend in San Diego State's history, I would say. Final Four, going to the national championship game. It's also a good weekend for the San Diego Wave. They are now 2-0. They knocked off the North Carolina Courage on Saturday night. Uh, that was obviously after an Aztecs win, and the Padres ended up winning pretty much in the middle of the Wave game, I think middle of the second half of the Wave game. Uh, so Wave 3-1 over North Carolina. Wave are now 2-0. They're at the top of the table alongside the Portland Thorns, who are stacked. Uh, they're probably the favorites to win the whole thing this year. Uh, to win the Shield, which for new fans, the Shield is what is awarded to the team with the best record in the NWSL in the regular season. Um, they're the favorites to win everything. So the Wave play them upcoming on April 19th. That's a Wednesday. So get your tickets for that or definitely be watching. Uh, I think that one's going to be on national television um, on, I think, CBS Sports. But yeah, definitely get your tickets for that one. But this one here, Wave 3-1, Jaden Shaw scored in the 39th minute. What a couple passes there. Sheridan had an amazing pass um, to Korniak. Korniak with the header to Shaw. I think North Carolina kind of helped out Jaden Shaw there. Uh, slid in the box, kind of kicked it to Shaw, and then Shaw had the goal. Uh, I love their Wave surfing celebration that they do 
Um, and then Alex Morgan, she scored twice, once in the 48th minute, and then the 73rd minute was a penalty kick goal. I had a, a really good view of it. I was on the other side of the of, of the pitch, and she almost missed it, but, hey, it went in. doesn't matter. It went in. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, it was a good good game overall. I thought it was a pretty solid crowd considering that the Padres were playing at the same time and all all the fans that probably didn't go because they were going to because they watched the Aztecs game somewhere um but yeah they still filled out the whole lower bowl uh at Snapdragon so there's been some there's been good fan support for the San Diego Wave and if you haven't been to a game I, I definitely recommend you uh to head out to a game at Snapdragon it's it's definitely a fun time and there's there's giveaways before games or sometimes as you leave uh, but yeah, great environment. The Wave, they're, they're one of the best teams in the NWSL National Women's Soccer League. They are, I consider them at least, one of the three major teams uh, in San Diego. You can include San Diego State football, I guess, if you want to include that before teams. But I guess I'm just thinking of basketball because of what they're doing this year, right? And because every year they're usually ranked and most of the time in the conference tournament. The Padres, obviously. And then the Wave, this they are some of the best players, best women's players in the world. This is the highest level of women's soccer, uh, the NWSL. So hopefully we get an MLS team and there can be another major team that we can consider um, in San Diego. But the three that played this weekend, good results. Uh, and the Wave playoffs are definitely an expectation. I think hosting a playoff game is probably an expectation among most fans, and they're on their way to doing that. So 2-0, good start for the Wave. Their next game uh, does not come for another couple weeks, I believe. I think their next game is against the OL Reign, uh, and then they come back home and play Portland, Sophia Smith and the Portland Thorns. It's not just Sophia Smith. I mean, Becky Sauerbrunn, Crystal Dunn, they got a lot of talent there. Um, so that's going to be their toughest match so far. But a couple tough matches uh, with the rain and Portland coming up. Two wins. Um, first game of the year. They got that win at home against Chicago. The playoff rematch. And then the second game yesterday against North Carolina. So a great start to the season for the Wave. Um, any more comments here about Padres or just San Diego sports in general? Again, anyone that's new to the show, I'm making this the end of these shows about San Diego sports uh, just because I'm a dire San Diego sports fan and they're not really... Other San Diego sports don't really seem to be covered much on YouTube and don't really seem to be covered too much on uh, other media outlets or at least as much as I feel like they should. At least... Speaking wise, audio wise, radio wise, so I want to uh, implement that at least at the end of shows. The core of the show is going to be Padres always. Um, beginning of shows most of the uh, most of the time. Maybe I'd start with a national championship win, uh, but most of the time it's it's Padres. The majority of the show, like it was today, and then at the end, some other San Diego sports. Um, Irie says Don and Mud was saying that it looks like he's been a starting pitcher his whole career. Lugo, yeah. Well, I mean, 
when you put up seven really strong innings today, yeah, of course it's going to look like that. Yep, and Iris says go Weathers. I hope he does well. He pitches tomorrow, so up up next for the Padres, they've got two games against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Weathers is supposed to pitch tomorrow. Darvish is supposed to pitch on Tuesday. That is a day game. Monday night is a night game. I don't know how many fans are going to be there because I think all of the attention is going to be on San Diego State. Who knows if the Padres are going to show the San Diego State game at the same time the Padres are playing. I don't know if they're allowed to do that. Uh, when the um, when the Padres are playing, maybe that's a Major League Baseball thing. They could show it pregame, but I don't know if they could show it during the game. But hopefully they would have it on in like a bar somewhere for fans. Uh, but I think you're not. There's not going to be a ton of fans there tomorrow because of the Aztecs. Uh, but Tuesday a day game, off day Wednesday, and then they'll be on the road for the first time, starting with their Thursday game uh, in Atlanta. And quick update on Musgrove, by the way. I think a Kevin Ac said in his newsletter earlier today um, that Musgrove. They're not ruling out the April, what was that, April 11th outing against the Mets that Tuesday. They're not ruling that out, but it, see, it appears like more likely is April 16th. Maybe the Padres want Musgrove to have two rehab starts in El Paso instead of just one. That could be their thinking. But it seems like everything is going well on the Musgrove rehab front. So that's good news. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in here, Talking Friars, episode 377. You can follow me on social media at Talking Friars on Twitter and Instagram. I appreciate everyone for your time tuning in here, YouTube, podcast platforms. Have a great rest of your weekend, and I'll talk to you later. See ya.